Welcome to episode 25 of the PTSD Academy podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. Today's episode is all about world-class PTSD programs. I founded a PTSD program at my local hospital, East Texas Medical Center's Behavioral Health Hospital in East Texas. Right after graduation, I had already started a nonprofit and a book that year. It was a busy year, and I didn't know some of the healing energy modalities, you know, the Eastern stuff. It was all mainstream in the stuff that I had been taught. And I found that it's important at PTSD Academy for me to use those original videos so that you don't guys don't always think that I'm some kind of hippie or alternative medicine guru only. I recorded hours worth of the same curriculum I taught there from the books that I trained the therapists on. Okay. And so what I'm going to do for you today is walk through what should be in a world class PTSD program, whether it's inpatient or an intensive outpatient program, in case the online course isn't enough for you and you need a group setting and you're shopping around. After listening to this episode, I hope to empower you to have really good questions as you shop around different PTSD programs around the country and around the world. So let's go ahead and get started. You know, I laid this out as physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. And so I'm going to give you highlights right from the curriculum. I've got several, let's see, six different PDF files pulled up from the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional domains, a couple of them in different areas, and let's get started. The very first one is the science of emotion. Okay, I've got this portion of the course broken down into the extinction burst, anatomy of the overwhelm, memory and emotion, and then living in survival mode. So what we're talking about is an extinction burst is the phenomena that happens when someone that has PTSD very first starts treatment or starts to get ready to, to seek treatment, maybe the night before you go see the therapist. You see, one of the classic situations with PTSD is avoidance phenomenon. Avoidance criteria was one of the first three criteria from the diagnosis going back to 1980 when PTSD diagnosis was first created. Well, what happens is if you've been trying to not think about your problems, if you've been drinking it away, just staying busy, whether you use healthy coping mechanisms or unhealthy coping mechanisms, you know, you're still avoiding. Who wants to think about the worst time of their life, right? So you're going to try to take your mind off of it until you realize that that's not working for you anymore and you go get some help. So guess what happens? When you get help, you're facing your problems. You're not avoiding it anymore. So you get a refund of all your anxiety and stress and sweats and jumpiness and nightmares. It comes back to you and it can feel like it's a flood. So I've got a diagram here that I teach off of in the course that shows the curve as it spikes up in the beginning of therapy. That means to say that if you have an extinction burst, then in the very beginning, your anxiety is actually going to get worse. So a world-class PTSD program needs to teach you that, uh, warn you about it, and accommodate for that so that it's not a surprise to you and you don't feel like you've undone all of your progress just because you're feeling more anxious in the beginning of therapy. Most therapies out there involve taking comprehensive histories of you, maybe even having you write or read out loud, sometimes to a group, the details of the worst traumas of your life, line by line. And you want to talk about stress and trauma, we don't do it that way here. It has been shown in cognitive processing therapy that if you leave out the trauma impact statement 
and the uh, the trauma details of what happened to you in your story, the efficacy of the intervention is just as good. You don't have to talk about the details of the trauma to get better. That's why I prefer PTSD Academy courses. All of them have no trauma stories whatsoever. It's unnecessary. So if you're going to go to a PTSD program and you're a little worried about that anxiety of facing those fears in the very first few days or so where the anxiety is the worst, I might recommend to you to watch the courses online first so you can understand the biology and that anatomy of the overwhelm. Okay, so I'll revisit this subject a little bit later when I get to the next topic. Okay, another important one here is called blind rage. And so I incorporate anger management into my PTSD course from the very beginning because as soon as I got to psychiatry residency, I was a veteran and I wanted to focus on PTSD in the military. And I've been blessed to be able to serve my country in that way. I'm going on a deployment tomorrow and I'm trying to get all this stuff done in case I don't make it back. This is the kind of life lessons that I'm putting into the PTSD Academy for you as a legacy for me and that helps me sleep better at night i've been so happy during my two-week quarantine to get so many courses done and so many products delivered in this domain and in other projects i have as well going on i stay busy i learned a long time ago that if you're bored it's because you're boring and i was about 19 when i got sober and i heard that message and let me tell you it's really true i've really prepared myself this time for some isolation and unfortunately we're going into coronavirus epidemics where people are getting tested daily and it's going to be a mess all right so what i want to bring to you now is a cycle i've got here pulled up on my screen it's a slide from the course itself uh, called ptsd curriculum it's our core curriculum the exact same material actually a little bit better organized uh, here for the website that I taught at the hospital program to the patients itself. I distributed this curriculum to the therapists that worked there, gave them a training on a Saturday they really appreciated, and then they were free to run with it and incorporate these kind of lessons into the lessons they were already teaching. So if you can imagine a circle with four different steps on it, the very top one is triggering event. Second one is an automatic thought that will happen. The third one is a feeling that you get. And then the fourth is the reaction based on the feeling. So let's say someone, <laughs> I'm in a barracks, the good example is the doors keep slamming so loud. The doors slam in this building about as loud as a shotgun blast. And if I'm standing in the hallway when it happens and it's so hot in here, I keep opening the door, that it's like a shotgun blast. It literally gives me a physical reaction of anxiety to hear the doors go boom all hours of the day and night in here. It's not fun. So if there's a triggering event that sounds like maybe the door is getting kicked in, you know, uh, if you have automatic thoughts that would tell you that that sound is associated with a dangerous or scary memory, no amount of cognitive therapy is going to stop that. It's not. You're going to have to do body memory work as well, I've learned. But in this course of PTSD curriculum, I don't even know much about the body memory work when I recorded this in 2017. All the other courses, the five other ones we have live right now, incorporate the new modalities that I know of. But what I want to bring to you today is to realize that your automatic thoughts, your automatic reactions that flash through your mind and body unconsciously or so fast when something triggers you, come from four different things. Number one, trauma. Number two, life experiences. Number three, 
core beliefs. And number four, blind spots. And that's where the blind spot area, those parts of ourselves that we can't see, is very relevant for anger management. Okay? If you don't understand yourself very well, you'll have shame. And what is underneath all anger? Pain. Okay? That's it. So this course will go into detail and unpack these concepts for you so that you can be invited then to take some of the other advanced ones. If you do the classes on the PTSD curriculum and you want to know more, that you know, then you need the anxiety reduction course that goes with it. That's a separate podcast. It's a separate video course. But all basic memberships and above get access to both. So that you have the mental component done here in this course called the PTSD curriculum. And you also have emotional component handled with the anxiety reduction course where we use the wearing a face mask and the fear and sickness around viruses and being exposed to it or just being angry that you have to have it on. Either way, it causes unwanted emotions. And I will teach a holistic approach that's physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional that you can do with the mask itself in that course. Okay, so that covers blind rage. The next PDF I have of the six pulled up for you is called Calming Techniques. I was so surprised to learn that veterans with PTSD and others, the ones I learned off of, kept talking about PTSD as if it was anger. And the therapist kept giving them breathing exercise. I literally uh, published some research on this and burnout for doctors. And when I got to the PTSD specialty clinic where I trained in for a year during my residency, I saw therapists giving handouts and teaching classes on the respiratory one method and other ways. One, one uh, flyer I saw instructed the veteran to blow on their fingertip and that was their therapy oh my gosh that's horrible idea horrible idea okay it's just stupid if you think that that works for ptsd body memories and associated triggers then you literally have no idea uh what's going on and no wonder some patients storm out of your office i mean my very first day of training I was brand new in the PTSD specialty clinic and uh, I was a little nervous about it because I wanted to do a good job and yes, I'm pretty easy to talk to and I knew a little bit about PTSD, but it, it was day one of training. So I sat in uh, my attending physician's psychiatrist's office to watch him and in comes a veteran, huge guy, close to 300 pounds, very muscular, sits down, it's a new appointment. So I, I was expecting to get to watch him take a history you know, and do a physical and come up with an, a treatment plan that they could agree on and maybe start some medications. That was my job. I sat there to do it. In the first, like, two minutes, he angered this veteran, starting off telling him what he was not going to be able to do for him. And he pissed him off. He didn't set the rapport right. And the angry, angry veteran just stood up over his desk, like towering over both of us, yelling at him and stormed out. And... My first reaction was fear that this guy was going to come back and hurt us. The second thought was, he's just not going to come back at all. And that made me very sad. And he didn't. And so I included that story in my first book, Combat PTSD in America. And there's links to it in the bookstore. It's a third-party independent self-published. It's Lulu, okay? It's print-on-demand. I'm no famous author. I just push resources out to help people. That's me. And I'll teach you to do the same thing if you join. All right. 
So I was frustrated with the handouts that the therapists were giving out that had incorrect information on them and blowing on your fingertip for PTSD was the best thing they could do for anger. Oh my gosh, it was awful. So it had the training in PTSD been very good where I practiced and where I learned, I wouldn't have written my own books. I would have just taken it and ran with it, but it was awful. And the, the stories I keep hearing is that the therapists out there need some help with this. And so I put together resources in, uh, in the training protocol for therapists also. That is a separate podcast and a separate course. What we're going to focus and bring you back to now is this one, our actual core PTSD curriculum for patients. All right. So what I've done under calming techniques is first things first, we've got a safe place exercise. I will teach you and demonstrate how you do that. That's true in eye movement, reprocessing and desensitization, EMDR, creative visualization, any kind of anxiety work. You know, I encourage you if you're ever camping or you're in the mountains of Colorado like I was, I took a picture of my safe place. If there was anybody approaching me, I was in a safe spot. You know, I could see cars come from miles around, yet I had the mountains in front of me, a beautiful private lake with security around it in front of me. I felt so safe. I took a picture of it, and that's the home screen on my phone. My safe place is photographed in my phone. <laughs> and if I'm ever stressed, I can look at it, and I can still feel the energy a little bit and look forward to the next time I get to the mountains. Okay? So we're always going to start with a safe place exercise. That makes good sense, and I did not invent that. All right, the next thing that I did was I separated different calming techniques into DIY do-it-yourself and those that would you would have to do it with assistance, whether therapist or professional. And me, uh, I guess because I was homeless after high school and, uh, you know, I had a couple of things in life like pretty much got fired or ran out of my emergency medicine program because they didn't like me. It was political. Now it turns out to be the best blessing because I'm a great PTSD psychiatrist. I've become published in burnout because I was burned out in my profession. So I'm internationally cited for that. I bounce back, folks, because I don't give up. And I look for the purpose. And no matter what I'm going through, I try to help other people with what I know. And that's what I'm doing here with PTSD Academy. I'm getting on a plane you know, tomorrow to go on a deployment, my first one. So uh, this is how I cope. I cope by helping others. And I want to teach you to do the same thing. It's a mentor leader model here at PTSD Academy. And it will totally empower you. You will not think of PTSD uh, the, way, the same way again if you'll do our courses. All right. So let me read you the list of do-it-yourself empowering exercises first. And then we'll do the assistance required techniques. So do-it-yourself has a concept that there are overlapping body stress points. If you study acupuncture, trigger point massage, reflexology, tapping emotional freedom technique, all of them have simple, similar pressure points. In fact, if you study martial arts and you learn those pressure points that can take down an appointment, opponent, they're in the same thing. They're nerve and energy centers combined that overlap with very similar stuff. And it goes way back to the ancient hieroglyphics. So there are body stress points and aches that we get in certain places, sometimes associated with meaning. And so the do-it-yourself ones that use those body maps, and I'll teach you and show you in the course, is mindfulness-oriented yoga, the exhale exercise. Yes, I did include that. Wiping, fiber confusion technique, and the tendon guard reflex. 
Those are techniques that you can learn yourself by teaching the course. Assistance required techniques is the EMDR therapy, acupuncture. You don't want to do acupuncture on yourself. <laughs> Neurofeedback, transcranial magnetic stimulation, and the TENS units. There's other biofeedbacks now, uh, but I have this course safe and protected as mainstream only for you. I want to leave it that way, even though I know a hundred or ten times more than than I did three or four or five years ago when I started making content to help people with PTSD. But I want to keep this in the most mainstream possible in case you're not a fan of energy work, you think energy healing modalities is a bunch of stupid hogwash or somehow you're religiously offended. You know, I had my last pastor tell me not to even mention the word yoga because it was created by Buddhists. And I just totally disagree because I think God in his infinite wisdom has revealed different parts and truths about creation and giving people relief from all different walks of life and backgrounds throughout the millennia. And just because, you know, maybe the uh, the person who designed the uh, Ford F-150 uh, has a religious different viewpoint than me doesn't mean I won't buy one if I think that's the best four-wheel drive system for me in the mountains of Colorado next year. Okay? I don't have to agree with someone. Uh, if you follow that logic out, it means you have to religiously agree with everything. So I probably couldn't wear the clothes I'm wearing because the person that uh, founded it might be an atheist or something. It just makes no sense uh, following that logic. And I think it's misguided and it keeps people in the dark. And enough of that already. All right. All right. Let's move on to the, the fourth out of six PDFs I've got pulled up for you. That's in the, all of this is explained better and more thoroughly in the video course online the called PTSD Curriculum. It's in the basic membership. It's all memberships get this whole course. Okay. Moral injury. I have broken out into conscious, moral, and worldview because they overlap, but you can have a moral injury, your sense of right and wrong, that affects any of the other three. So I'm going to give you three examples of different combinations of those categories. Okay. Example number, or letter A, learning as an adult that the child abuse you suffered was actually arranged by a parent. You didn't know as a child you were being abused, but your parent was complicit in it. That's an awful example. It's not a specific trauma story, but that's totally moral, right? Moral. In examples, uh, example letter B, the depravity of mankind. I'm about to go see class at Upfight Information on this deployment starting tomorrow, and, you know, and classified information, uh, and if you could finish the book, The Bloodlands, it's Eastern Europe between Hitler and Stalin, you will see what happens with communism. They starved like upwards of 50 million people before the Holocaust and World War II ever started. That's why Hitler could make it so far and make it practically to Moscow almost, because the people were like toothpicks. They couldn't resist because they were systematically starved on purpose. And the government sent morale officers out there that literally measured the grain it, and had kept kept notes on the weight of the people and how much food. And they made sure they starved slowly. And it's awful. I can't even finish the book. I know what happens in the world. And so that I call the depravity of mankind. When you see and you get 
you know, classified information actually released 50 years later, which is what happened in that book called The Bloodlands. Boy, it doesn't get any worse than that, if you ask me. Uh, but the injury is to the moral and the worldview both, to just see how awful mankind is to, to itself. Okay? And then example C, learning that military leaders sometimes knowingly allow enemy sympathizers on a base. I've heard and seen this story more than once, and sometimes there's political reasons where uh, threats to the base is allowed, and then people get killed over it. If your buddy dies, and you realize someone in position of authority that's supposed to be looking out for you and the troops or your team, if there's a preventable injury that happens, that's totally moral. But also, this is conscious, too. So... I, the moral injury course is broken down by conscious moral worldview. And that's about as detailed as we ever get with trauma stories. This is categorizing it. So I was able to do all kinds of PTSD therapy myself, even on rape victims when I started the hospital program. And why would a woman want to come talk to a man in a private office, you know, about the details of a rape? They don't. I didn't want to ask. All I found I needed was to know the category or the type of trauma like this and how many years ago it was. That's all you need to disclose. Child abuse of this type at age such and such, a, a house fire at age 25, you know, I went to war when I was 30, or whatever. That's all you kind of have to say to a good PTSD therapist. So if you're shopping for world-class programs, ask them on the phone, how much detailed trauma stuff are you supposed to go over and regurgitate? Because if they're not aware that it's unnecessary for your growth and progress, then keep shopping. <laughs> Join a, cl a class at PTSD Academy. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Some people really need to talk about it. So I poo-poo the idea of talking about all your trauma stuff because I don't want you to stay stuck in the past and the story and the pain. I want you to learn through experience and demonstration here how to create what you want so that your positive mindset actually sticks and you don't have to talk yourself out of it and pull out your notes from therapy every time you get something that throws you for a loop. It's unnecessary. You're, you are more powerful than you've been led to believe. That, I believe, 100%. Okay? All right. The next, the fifth of the sixth PDF I've got open for you to preview this PTSD uh, curriculum course is called the Index Trauma. Okay? And it is another cycle. And you have to imagine the loop in your mind here. This is a circle with arrows going around to five different things. Okay? And this is the cycle of recovery from trauma. And at the very top is the index trauma. This is the first trauma that really bothered you. Chances are you've had them large and small and more than one big one. And, you know, I'll give an example of how this is mishandled in the Veterans Health Administration. Okay. When you do your intake at the VA for PTSD, you see a therapist for your compensation and pension who's never going to see you again. And oftentimes they... they just randomly appear to be favored to say no, 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 and deny them right and left, even when it's obvious. And even when there's notes in the chart that show how clearly the PTSD evidence is that they would have it. Well, in the index trauma, you know, they'll say, what was the date of your trauma? And they ask for a specific date of a specific time that a certain trauma happened. And when you're talking to combat veterans, they may have fought for years in a combat zone and lost lots of people. And you're asking them 
to say which one bothered them, and you're assuming that none of the rest did. You make them pick one date, and just the, the intake process alone is traumatic. It's a huge slap in the face, and many people won't do it or won't complete it, or they storm out or end those meetings early, and they don't get back the entitlements that they're due, while others seemingly um, lie to the therapist with no problem and get all kinds of benefits and compensation. You know, I, I am no longer going to work for the VA, unfortunately, real soon. I've taken a medical directorship at Denver Springs in Colorado, and I'm sailing my V, you know? <laughs> That's Texas way of saying that I found my work family, and I want to encourage you to um, find yours in your vocation that really matters. Okay? So the index trauma is the first one that really bothered you, to never assume that there's only been one, and not to assume that the smaller traumas that might have happened first don't also bother you, but you know what I mean with the flashbacks and the, nice, the nightmares. The real, the worst one, that's the index. Okay, and then I'll go around the cycle a little quicker now. Step two is receiving care. Three is groping, not groping. <laughs> Step three is coping versus growing. Yeah, there is a sex therapy class, but there's not a groping step. <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave that in. I'm not editing that out. All right. I tend to do all my recordings live without much edits at all to give you as much authenticity so you know who I am and encourage you to be yourself and leave your mistakes in there. Embrace your imperfections. Okay. Step four is learning to heal. Step five is helping others. And then once you help others, then you, you turn back to the top and your index trauma can receive a gift. When you've helped others, then your trauma doesn't feel the same to you. Your pain doesn't feel the same to you. Okay? Now, the last uh, the last PDF I've got pulled up here for you is called Boosting Your Brain. It comes from the physical component of this course. And the main thing here is to show you some drawings and some understand the biology of what your adrenal glands are doing to your brain. Did you know that adrenaline and cortisol go to your brain and while they're wonderful in the short term let's say you're hiking and you get lost in the mountains for a few days to a few weeks cortisol is amazing to give you creativity and energy and reduce pain and you can get yourself out of the mountain but when people stay in a fight-or-flight response for years it begins to suppress a couple of areas of the brain that you really really need and you miss them when they're gone one is the hippocampus that's two areas in the midbrain on the left and right, and the, free front, the prefrontal cortex, kind of on top of your forehead, maybe right where the hairline is. If you were to put on fake antlers on your head, that's just if a little bit forward where your hairline is. Where those antlers would touch the skin is about where the prefrontal cortex is. So you can see that if you've got traumatic brain injury and it hits those areas, there's more than one reason you can have a problem here. Stress and PTSD, major depression, traumatic brain injury, and prolonged insomnia. All four things can literally cause neuron death and shrinkage of the area of the hippocampus. The good news is I go through in the course all the good things you can do to rebuild it. It is recoverable, but we've got to get you sleeping. You've got to get out of the stress response. you got to quit thinking about the past and regurgitating the story. And you have to get physical you know, experiences that are positive one way or the other. And that's why PTSD Academy is organized so holistically, because I'm sure something I can throw at you will trigger something you'll say, 
Hey, I could try that. I want you to start with the easy stuff first. That's why I've outlined it so holistically. So visit the site if you're interested in the PTSD curriculum course. Sign up all membership levels. Get this one. It's so important that you have the mental component down. Because take it from me, you are more powerful with your thoughts and your intentions than you were led to believe. And let me give you and leave you with one example of how that works. If you heard of the placebo, the placebo effect, people think they're taking a real pill and they're not. They're taking a fake pill, but it works and it cures them. The biology of belief is so important that there's a lot of amazing documentaries coming out, right? Well, there's also such thing as a nocebo. When someone says, oh, Reiki energy don't work or, you know, there's no hope for PTSD or what I did about seven months ago, I started having... Um, nightmares during the pandemic but i think this was right in the beginning of that i was already having some insomnia and a lot of pain for about four years now and it's slowly getting better with the stress coming off of me <laughs> i'm deploying tomorrow but um i feel it in my body let's just say i'm 48 and when you hold emotions in you drive hard and you work hard you keep going to school and you become a major a division psychiatrist and they're looking at me for promotion to lieutenant colonel next year and potentially uh, the state psychiatrist and different things are thrown your way. Uh, your body is like a container. It can't hold everything in there forever. When you stuff an experience or an emotion down in your body, your body holds on to that. And it's not till it comes out later. It usually feels like a slap in the face, but it's got to be acknowledged by your brain to be released. That kind of energy stuff and body stuff is not really taught in the class, only a very little bit briefly. I had had acupuncture, and so I tell that story of a body memory and acupuncture. But it's only a few minutes of this entire course. Well, all that said, about seven months ago, I was laying in the bed, and it was about 10 o'clock at night. It was a good night. It was a good evening. I wasn't having any problems, no stress that I, you know, outside of the normal. And um, I was getting ready to relax in bed, and all of a sudden, I got a sharp spasm in my back, and it felt like someone just stabbed me in the back with a knife. I'm like, ow! And then my next thought was, and I said it out loud, I said, well, there goes another good night's sleep. But I had begun to learn about all this stuff and putting it together for myself and realized, whoa, whoa, whoa. This time I caught myself, and I realized what I did. And I said, whoa, um, I... I take that back. I take that back. I, I don't want to pronounce to my body that we're going to have a bad night all night. The only thing that's happened in this moment is I got a twinge of a back pain. And um, the worst of the pain just lasted a few seconds. And then it was kind of sore. The spasm didn't let go. But hey, they often don't without cupping or reflexology or massage or something like that. You know? So instead, I caught myself and I said, whoa, 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 I take that back. I kind of made myself smile. I felt a little silly, but I realized now I began to respect the power of my thoughts, my spoken word, my mental intentions, even if I don't say it. I began to respect the power of my mental intentions. So I took that back. I smiled. I kind of jiggled, shook my body a little bit, kind of loosened it up a little bit. Or to go through the motions and act like I was loosening it up, it felt kind of silly and fake. And I rolled over to the other side. And you know what? I went right to sleep and I woke up in the morning and I said, whoa, because that had never happened. And it really solidified the point. It made me wonder, 
you know, how many times, probably a thousand times, I had made my situation worse by accepting it at face value and then pronouncing and accepting, oh, this sucks. So that negativity, folks, is a nocebo. You need to learn that the power of your intention is making it worse. If you think, oh, counseling, online classes, PTSD therapy, medications won't work, guess what? You're right. You know why? Because 60 to 80% of the reason why it won't work is because of your attitude. <laughs> I had to learn that for myself. That's why I'm so authentic with the PTSD Academy and my podcast here. Because if I wasn't authentic, you wouldn't hear me. I would never be able to penetrate your defenses. So I hope at the end of this course and hearing some of my story, it'll begin to sink in that you do have power. And yes, the situation's bad. Yes, there's grief. Yes, awful things have happened. But those don't, things don't necessarily spell out your future. And I got example after example of wonder, wonderful veterans and uh, civilians that have been in a variety of circumstances to help convince me that no matter how bad the situation is, if I'm stuck in having a terrible problem with something, I categorize it as physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional. Make sure I pick one category, you know, and then if I can't do anything about it, I got to try to fix it with one of the other three. And I have example after example of how that's done in all kinds of different ways. So I've organized the entire website that way, all of our online video courses that way, and no trauma stories in any of them, folks. So that's what we've got here. I uh, wish you luck with the PTSD curriculum and in shopping for a good program in your area. Take care and good luck.